0: Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Have you heard about the Ethereum phone? Or ETH OS? If you have, you are in the 1% of the 1%. In fact, version 1 just launched in July, and currently they're in beta. However, I only heard about this about a month ago. Today, we're going to discuss the project in layman's terms and the future of mobile Web three. So, the vision for Ethereum OS or ETH OS is built upon the belief that decentralized web cannot be built on centralized infrastructure. I'm sure you're familiar with this conflict. If you listen to episode number two fifty, when I speak about how Minecraft banned NFTs and blockchain technology from being used in the Minecraft game, and episode three thirty two, when I spoke about Apple including NFTs onto the App Store. So this Ethereum phone or ETHOS is a very ambitious goal. However, in order to understand everything that they're trying to do, I have to read a lot of information. We have to cover a lot of bases. And their website, ethereumphone.org, has a beautiful headline that says, the world's first Ethereum OS, a mobile operating system built to be crypto native. And this is going to feature native dApps, which is a decentralized application, 0% platform fees, crypto widgets, crypto widgets, a local light node, crypto native payments, and ENS integration. And I really like their slogan, Ethereum in your pocket. We believe that a decentralized web cannot exist with a central operating system. So you might be wondering, well, what does all of that mean? Well, first of all, a light node is a lightweight, less resource intensive Ethereum node that instead of downloading every block, it downloads the block headers containing the summary within the information in that particular block. And if the light node needs additional information contained in the block, it must request it from the full node. And these are the peers in your ethOS light node app. Now, to be fully honest, I'm not exactly sure what that means. The peers part is what sort of confused me, but I'm assuming since it is decentralized, I guess that information is being spread across however many phones are in that particular network, the people that are using this and the heavy lifting, I guess you would say it was decentralized or distributed amongst all those different phones. So who exactly is building this Ethereum OS? It is an open source community-led project and is being developed by individuals across the globe. So right now, all the code is up on GitHub. There's a Discord where everyone is interacting, really sharing what they're working on and just swapping information and what have you. And the OS is actually live at this moment. It is in beta, as I said. And they're continuously adding features, producing new builds, and putting out new versions. So in order to get this, all you need is a Pixel 3 phone or a Pixel 5a phone. And those are the stripped down, the bare bones operating system version of the Google Android OS, and those are the phones that they're putting out. And their version doesn't have all the bloatware and all the customizations that says Samsung, HTC, and all those other companies put into Android. So the Google Pixel phones are coming straight from Google, They work with a manufacturer to help build these things, but they strip down the OS to the pure Android version. So in order to use this, you have to have one of those phones. The reason why they selected those phones, as I said, those are stripped down pure, but also those are pretty inexpensive devices. They have very good capabilities and a lot of bang for the buck and especially the Pixel 3, which is a very old phone at this point, you could get for around $100 or so. So in order to test out this stuff, download it onto your phone, you get one of those, has no carrier bloatware, it doesn't have any additional features or anything like that that's going to slow down the phone or bog it down. It is just raw Android, and then you install it onto that, and that's what's powering everything. But some interesting things are coming in the pipeline, such as a decentralized chat app, and they call it XMTP integration, which I'm not even familiar with at this point, but it says it is decentralized messaging that is at the OS level, so the operating system level, meaning Android, or in this case, it's going to be Ethereum OS is built on top of Android. And you might be wondering, well, why would they do that anyways? Why would they build it on top of Android? Well, in order to build an entire operating system from scratch, it's going to take years of development. Android has been in development for over 10 years at this point. They would just really have to be far behind. However, the raw version of Android is pretty stripped down and then there's open source versions and that's what they actually built this out of. And in addition to that, they're also coming with native NFT minting, which I thought was pretty interesting when I was reading about this. You can instantly mint from any picture that is taken from the Ethereum OS camera. So that is really cool right there. Anything that's in the camera roll, you can literally just mint it onto the blockchain and create NFTs out of it. I think that's very interesting. But let's just dive deeper into the hood and I'll just pull up the white paper right now and just sort of skim through some very interesting points that I saw. And of course, going to the start of everything, Google Android and Apple iOS cannot successfully serve Web3 because they are permissioned platforms by design. Centralized platforms cannot grant permissions to new applications fast enough. And with every delay, restriction or fee, they break the promise and potential of Web3. Because this space is moving at lightning speeds. There's lots of development. They're sharing codes in GitHub and in Discord and all of these places. It's an open repository. And people are literally finding bugs, building new features, and they're rolling this out. It is a global collaborative thing. And this is the same thing with NFT coding, which everything is visible on the blockchain. And that is why so much development has happened recently. It's because anything that launches that has some great gas-efficient coding or anything of that nature, well, each new project can just simply look on the code and take out the features. So basically, this is an open repository, and that is exactly how this is built. And in order to keep development going, it slows down everything to be approved by the app stores, and in particular in Apple, when they manually check everything. At least with Google, it is automated. They do a computer scan of everything to make sure it is not malware or viruses or anything. But with Apple, they actually manually go in there, and each individual app is checked by a human being so that's why it is much slower to get an app onto the apple app store and of course that slows things down and at the end of the day as I said a permissionless system means that there's no gatekeeper and in case of these platforms there is a gatekeeper it is google and it is apple but going back to this today's daps or decentralized applications on mobile devices today are second-class citizens buried inside the wallet browser such as a Coinbase wallet or MetaMask, users must find these URLs and dApps and navigate there themselves. And what that basically means is anytime you go into any of these wallets and you're trying to connect to, let's just say, OpenSea, if you've noticed that it opens up this tab within MetaMask and then you have to put in OpenSea.io there and you have to load it up in there, it's not like you can go straight from a link that someone sent you. Let's say uh, you're on Twitter, let's say, and you click a link that says... You know, whatever project it is that you're on, their official thing or you're in Discord, if you're on mobile and you click it, you can't just go straight there. It's not going to go from browser and allow you to connect. You're going to have to copy and paste and bring it into MetaMask or whatever wallet you're using most times. And it's just a slow, tedious, and could be a cumbersome process. A newbie, a lot of the times, can't figure out how to necessarily connect to OpenSea or anything. It's because they don't know that inside of MetaMask, there is a browser feature, and that's where you're going to do your connecting. So that's what they're speaking about there. So the idea of Ethereum OS is to make all of that native. It's not like you're going into this app and then navigating all that and copying from the browser, not being able to go straight from any of those links, as I said, those secondary platforms. No, with Ethereum OS, you should click that link. From the official page of, let's say, Board Apes Yacht Club, then it goes right to that page. You're going to see the collection in OpenSea, or if they're minting something, it's going to go straight to the mint page, and you don't have to copy and paste, leaving the possibility of making an error, or at the very least, just slowing you down and just making it a unpleasant user experience. And then, of course, they go into this section, just speaking about why they use Android as a base, and it's basically what I said earlier as far as being able to speed up the process. They're What they're actually doing is Lineage OS, and that serves as the base, and that is actually a fork within the Android operating system. In other words, they took that code, and they splintered off, and they made their own version, and it's going to strip it of any Google-specific features, and this and this enables it to be much more suitable for security and for privacy purposes and this lineage os is open source and it supports most android phones so in order to just look under the hood and just see what's actually going on there again this is an open repository everyone can see what's going on so coders can actually audit this thing and really just search through everything because it's not like some proprietary software that is under the cloud of darkness or whatever because really nobody knows exactly what's happening under the hood of apple that's one of the benefits of their security but also it is not open. And then going to the blockchain support, Ethereum OS runs a light Ethereum client as a system service, which means that it does not store all blockchain data, but it verifies all blocks for itself. An onboard Ethereum client brings a layer of abstraction, And in summary, what this does, it just just makes it a lot easier for developers and to really interact with the infrastructure of everything that's happening on the Ethereum blockchain. And I'm not going to read all the technical jargons and trip up on all these acronyms and abbreviations, but that's what it goes into. And the section that I really like is the wallet as a first class citizen. That just sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? Ethereum OS will feature robust wallet support. The goal is to enable a crypto ready experience from the moment that the phone gets turned on for the first time. In addition to a built-in wallet that will come in very handy for Ethereum for crypto novice, Ethereum OS will support some of the more popular wallets as well. Private keys will be hardware encrypted and stored using the device built-in security chip whenever possible. And this goes on to explain how this is going to be pretty much more safer than just using the regular Android and connecting it with uh, MetaMask or some sort of secondary wallet that's just sitting on top of Android. But let's hop down to the section where it says Ethereum Phone as the end goal. Initially, users will be able to flash their devices and test Ethereum OS for themselves for a few specific devices. Again, that's the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 5a. After Ethereum OS becomes stable enough, we'll start working on dedicated hardware devices called the Ethereum Phone. So the actual hardware device, once they start to develop that, is going to be called the ePhone. And this will enable novel economics and experiences, apps, ERC-20s. And NFTs will expand in potential when paired with geolocation, camera, and near-field communication capabilities of mobile. New social and creative experiences will become possible and will integrate seamlessly with the tokenization and with the financialization, that's a tongue twister, financialization, of the physical and digital worlds and experiences. So that is a lot right there, but that's probably the most exciting part of this whole thing. The end goal is to actually have their own physical hardware once all this is Once all of this is worked out and everything, and that's very similar to the approach that Google had. When Google initially launched Android, that was with the HTC Dream. And if you remember that thing, it was an absolutely horrible device. It had like this weird chin and it had like a BlackBerry type of ball on the side. It had a slide up screen with a physical keyboard underneath. It was like a BlackBerry hybrid with a sidekick. If you remember the T-Mobile sidekicks, it was sort of like that with some other features that they took from the BlackBerry. Just a really weird-looking device. And just look it up if you want to see. Actually, you know what? I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. It's called the HTC Dream, and this thing came out 13 years ago. Wow, I can't believe it was that long ago. But very interesting, and it's a similar approach to what they're doing. They're going to use... The hardware from another manufacturer, they're going to work on the software and then work on that. And eventually what ended up happening was Google started to come out with their own hardware that they were partnering with other manufacturers to create. And that is exactly what they're going to do. As the operating system becomes more stable, then they're going to get their own hardware. So going forward, I think it's going to be very interesting to see all of those features, especially like certain things like geolocation. If you're not familiar, what that means is like, let's say there is a specific NFT for New York City. Let's say there's like a pass for within uh, New York City for something. Well, once you're in the borders of New York City, well, the geolocation will allow you to then get access to whatever NFTs are offering that might get you into certain places. I don't know if they have a day pass for certain things or whatever it might be in the future. Well, that's what this is trying to do. The geolocation, all those features, camera, everything in one device. So that just makes it very interesting because at the current moment, you can't really have all those features into NFT minting and the whole process because every Everything is just so decentralized and fragmented well this in one device allows you to use the best of both worlds but at the same time keep all of the data and the processing and everything decentralized however it's just like everything is coming together in a device that is optimized for the blockchain and web3 so i think that is very interesting I'd love to know what your thoughts are on all of this. I tried to keep it pretty surface level. I didn't want to go too technical. However, a lot of this stuff does get really nerdy, and I won't lie, it was interesting to read. However, to summarize it and reiterate it and get it back there, it's just really technical, a lot of acronyms and what have you. So I just try to get the main points, the interesting points anyways, and how it really relates to anything that we're going to do going forward. Love to hear your thoughts on this, but as usual, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later.